Well, good morning again, church. Good morning. You're certainly going to be very used to my face by the end of today. It is great to be with you today. Um, as I said earlier, my name is Kevin. I am the worship director here at BCC or the head of worship. Um, and it's just a joy to be with you today and bring the word. Um, who loves God's word in this house? Who just, like, and you know what I love most about it? I was just meditating on it this morning. It's so alive. It is so fresh. We can open a scripture that we've looked at every day for the last hundred days and today see something new. And today have God reveal something new to us. And today have something that we're sure that wasn't there last time, right? Has anybody, you know, you open the word and you go, is that always been there? Like God is so kind, so caring, and he wants to reveal himself and his kindness and his goodness to us through his written word. So I think when we come around the word together, we should always get excited because the power is not in what I say. The power is not in how well I deliver it. The power is in this word, church. The power is in this scripture. The power is in this God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired, living, breathing word. And who along with me is expectant that God might have something to say today? Amen? Amen. Well, let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that yours is a living, breathing word. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you're kind. We thank you that your steadfast love never ceases, that your mercies never come to an end, that they are new every morning. So God, we can approach today when we open your word, as we do every day, God, believing that you have something fresh to say. So Lord, would you speak? Would you inhabit this time? And would you make it so that when we leave, we are different than when we arrived? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get back into the story in the scripture in a minute. But as you know, we're, on a, we're in a series called The Miracles of Jesus. And I just want to ask this question. Can you think of a single person, one person maybe, in your life that has made a massive impact? You might even be able to say that person changed your life. Now, that change could have happened in an instant or it could be somebody that got alongside you in a consistent way, and over a period of time, they affected great change in your life. They were an agent of change. You could honestly say, if I did not meet this person, if I did not know them, my life would be very different. I'm sure that some people are coming to mind even as you speak, it might, as I speak. It might be that it's somebody you've known your whole life. It might be a friend from childhood. It might be a school teacher. It might be a family member. You know, it might be somebody that you met just once. It might be somebody that you met once, you talked to for two minutes, and you never saw them again. But in that moment, there was something for you, something they said, something they did, some sort of impact that they had that made you think, you know, that was really significant for me. I'm not sure I'm going to be the same after that. For me, um, one of the stories along those lines that I always think of when I was just thinking about this whole thing, you know, what does it look like to meet somebody and have them just change the trajectory of your life? I always think about how I came to work here at BCC. So for those of you that know and for those of you who don't know, I've been here about four and a half years, heading for five years now, and it has been just an amazing time. You know, this is home. This is where I'm called to be. This is our church. This is our family. This is where God has called us to be. And I would not want to be anywhere else than right here in this season of my life. But you know, I did not know it was coming. I did not know. I did not plan it. I did not expect it. But God broke into my life in a really, really just drastic and unexpected way. In late 2017, I was on a mission trip. And 
as you often do for any of you who have been on mission, or even just for any of you that have been abroad anywhere, you know that you just bump into people that you don't meet day to day in life at home, right? Um, And I was at a church service with this church that we were partnering with as part of the mission, and I bumped into and had a conversation with an American pastor called Arnie, which is the most American name in the world, Um, or maybe it's more Austrian, maybe like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who knows, who knows, we'll have that conversation afterwards, but um, this was an American pastor, his name was Arnie, and we were just chatting, you know, over coffee, I didn't know who he was, he didn't know who I was, but our eyes connected and we sort of started talking, and he was like, so tell me a bit about yourself, man, and I was like, okay, let me tell you a bit about myself, so I said, "Uh, well, my name's Kevin, Um, I'm here with my church, we're on a mission trip, we're doing some partnering with this And before I even sort of got as far as that, he said, I really want to pray for you. And I said, okay, sure. Just a little lesson. If anybody says, I want to pray for you, say yes, because you never know what God might do, what God might say. And when things are prayed over you in the name of Jesus, even if the words are not eloquent, even if you're not sure about the person who's speaking them, I believe that God can inhabit that moment and use that moment to speak to you and to say something into your life. Now, obviously practice wisdom, but generally speaking, if somebody says, can I pray for you? That's like somebody saying, can I feed you? Can I give you something to drink? Can I bless you? So say yes. Anyway, he said, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. Um, And he started praying for me, and he just started praying blessing, and he just started praying, you know, that God would speak to me, and that da-da-da-da-da. And within a few moments of him starting to pray, I could sense a change in him, like a shift in him. His eyes started to well up with tears, and he started looking at me in this kind of way that makes you go, why are you looking at me like that? Um, And he said, I really feel like God is speaking to me about you. And I feel like I might have a word for you, but I'm, I'm worried that it won't be right because I don't know who you are and I could speak something that just does not apply to you at all. And I said, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Let's hear the word and we'll test it and we'll see what happens. And he said, you need to know that God's about to open doors for you into full-time ministry. That's what he said, just poof. And I was like, Okay. Now, I'll be really honest with you, church. You know when somebody speaks a word over you and you receive it in, like, medium faith? (laughs) You're like, you're not ready to, like, turn your life upside down yet. You're like, okay, God, eventually. Okay. Lord, if you have that for me at some point. Not yet, though. Lord, if you, you know, I received it with, like, medium faith. It wasn't like, ah, whatever. It wasn't like, right, let's go. It was like, okay, Lord, if you have that for me at some point, amen. And then, and then he said, so that went through my mind, the Lord's about to open the door for you into full-time ministry. And I'm like, okay, Lord, at some point, yes, amen. And then he went, and it's going to happen really soon. And I went, okay, Lord, maybe not at some point. Maybe it's going to happen really soon. Um, and long and the short of it, he prayed for me. We sealed it in prayer. We said, amen. Went about the rest of the mission trip, you know, putting my hands to work for the things of God. Didn't really think too much anymore about it. The night after I got home from the mission trip, I got a phone call from my worship pastor in my church, the Elam Church in Cardiff, and he said, hey, so I've got some news. And he said, whilst you've been away, we have had a phone call from Pastor Mark Ryan at Birmingham City Church, and they are looking to employ a new worship director. And they have asked, uh, he has asked us if we could pray, we could think about it, if we could think of anybody that either has the experience to do the role me, or the, the ability to train up into the role from the experience they have in serving, and that might have been me. 
Um, and he said, and whilst you've been away on your mission trip, we've been praying for you, me and your senior minister, Steve, and uh, we think that God is telling us to put your name forward for the opportunity. Um, and church, within six months, I had my first day here. And that was, that was, let me just tell you, that's, that's God. That's God. When God decides to speak into your life, he often does it in a suddenly kind of way. And for me, that is like my key example of who is a person that I met that didn't know me, that didn't owe me anything, that did not have to pray for me, and certainly did not have to speak a word from God to me, but he did, and it was the catalyst for everything that came afterwards. I know that God, his will will be done, but I know the way that I operate, and I know the way that it did work out, that that word was the catalyst, the beginning of the journey that led me here. So, one conversation, six months, a change of job, a change of life, a change of career, and now here we are, one conversation. So God and people can impact your life in a wonderful way. I want to play a scene from a movie just now, because whilst we're talking on the subject of what happens when you bump into somebody you didn't expect to, and maybe your life gets changed, has anybody seen the movie The Bucket List? Ooh, man. Well, you're about to see some of it. Um, the Bucket List is a movie starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, the very basic premise of the movie is these are two gentlemen who do not know each other at all. They both get diagnosed with a terminal illness and they meet in hospital. One of them is a really sort of happy, life-affirming, very passionate and enthusiastic about life and people guy. And the other standard comedy is a very grumpy, rich, uh, angry, does not like people at all, irritated by their every presence and has no appreciation for life. Now, this scene that we're about to watch, we're skipping forward to the end of the movie, and uh, spoilers, I'm sorry, but um, the character Edward, who was the really rich, cold-hearted person that just did not care about people at all and had no appreciation for life, he's speaking at the funeral of the friend that he met out of nowhere who changed his life. And it's just a two-minute clip. I would like us to watch it because I think it's just a, an example of the profound way that people can impact our lives in a way we don't even expect. So shall we watch the screen together? Thank you, guys. Good afternoon. My name is Edward Cole. I, I don't know what most people say at these occasions because... In all honesty, I, I've tried to avoid them. The simplest thing is, I loved him, and I miss it. Carter and I saw the world together, which is amazing. When you think that only three months ago, we were complete strangers. I hope that it doesn't sound selfish of me, but the last months of his life were the best months of mine. He saved my life. proud that this man 
found it worth his while to know me. In the end, I think it's safe to say that we brought some joy to one another's lives. So, one day when I go to some final resting place, if I happen to wake up next to a certain wall with a gate, I hope that Carter's there to vouch for me and show me the ropes on the other side. Honestly, it's a great movie. <laughs> so I'd recommend, it's on Netflix, so I'd recommend if and nobody has any afternoon plans, it's worth a watch. <laughs> um, so that final comment that he said, you know, he saved my life and he knew he was doing it before I did. He saved my life and he knew he was doing it before I did. We'll circle back around to that later. So today's story, today's miracle, you know, series of the miracles of Jesus, today's miracle is about how 10 men who were with really bad skin conditions and leprosy, living as outcasts, living in exile, came face to face with the living Jesus, the living God in flesh, and their lives were changed forever, amen? It's about how just in a moment a life can change, just in a moment the trajectory of your life can change and things might never be the same again. In ancient Israel, to have leprosy, to have these kind of skin conditions was to be seen as the lowest of the low. It was um, you were seen as unclean, both literally, um, uh, people wouldn't want to be near you, and ceremonially, it would, be, it would disqualify you from being able to go to the temple to worship. In fact, you weren't even allowed to live amongst your people. You had to live in exile on the outskirts of the city, often outside the city, a lot of the time with other people suffering from the same conditions. You had to keep yourself at a distance from all healthy people, and you had to shout, unclean, unclean, as they came so that they would know not to approach you. So to say that these people, these men, these 10 men were living in desperate conditions is an understatement. In many ways, their, their survival was dependent upon the generosity and the mercy of strangers. And what must that have been like, you know, to be in that position, to, to regularly, daily cry out to people as they go past and, and hope for mercy and just hope for some compassion and hope that this time one person, just one, would stop and show you some compassion. And I'm sure more often than not, they found themselves just ignored. Bear with me one moment. To cry out and to watch as people avert their eyes, to cry out and watch as people took the long route around you, to cry out and just not even be acknowledged. But the big thing that happens for these people on this day is that this day they cried out to Jesus. Amen? This day they cried out to Jesus, and their cries were finally heard. They called for mercy, and Jesus answered them. And much like we've been discussing, for these men, their lives would never be the same again. Years of pain and of suffering put to an end in a single moment. This was a miracle worthy of the name miracle. So in this story, I think there's three big things we can learn from it, and I'm going to kind of go through these quite quickly. The first is, this miracle, like all miracles, was an act of grace. The second thing is that this miracle, like all miracles, required faith on behalf of the people that received it. 
And then the third thing is that this miracle was part of a much bigger story. So the miracle was by grace, the miracle required faith, and the miracle was part of a much bigger story. So let's jump right in. The first point, to say that this miracle is an act of grace. Um, A very simple example from my own life is that I recently moved house. Um, And I drive, but I do not have a car currently. And I haven't had a car for some years. It's all to do with living in the city. Didn't think I need it. Moved to Birmingham. Definitely need it. Um, But I don't have a car right now. Um, So when I was moving house, I was reliant on the help of, str- of pe- not strangers, but people that were in, I wasn't just approaching strangers in the street, I probably, can you help me move house? No, I just, um, you know, I had help from friends. So I had a number of friends, a lot of whom are in this room today, take time out of their day, take time out of their week, take time away from their family or their work to just pull up their car outside this place, load my stuff into the boot and drive me out to the new place. Um, and they didn't have to do that. They didn't owe me that. They chose to do that. And in some small way, I think you get an idea of how powerful it can be when somebody does something for you that you do not, you are not owed by them, but they decide to do it out of the goodness of their heart. Um, So let's go back to our 10 lepers. These guys were in a bad way, cast out and exiled from Jewish society, unable to worship, unable to go to temple. They could not work or provide for themselves. They had no hope of marriage, no hope of family. And also, this is really important to know as well. They had no power to change their situation. You know, they couldn't go down boots and get a prescription and, you know, uh, and then maybe go to the NHS and go to hospital. You know, they, they, the prognosis was not good. There was no medical treatment that would suffice. They, they had no treatment. They had no cure. And what's more, often we talked about how they were seen as unclean. Um, often it was seen as that this sickness, this skin disease was actually as a result of God's anger towards them like as a result of some sickness in their life or something they've done to deserve it. So even, imagine that you're dependent upon the generosity and the kindness of strangers, but those very same strangers think that you deserve your suffering. And imagine just how forlorn your cries for mercy are to the man of God as he comes past. On this day, they called to Jesus by name. Now, we don't know how much they knew about him. We just know that they knew his name They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I'm sure that this is not the first man of God they've called out to, the first teacher, the first healer that they'd heard about, that they'd cried out to in faint hope. And yet, so far, nobody had come through for them. Jesus himself probably had discouraging voices in his ear going, Rabbi, don't go over there. Those people are sick. Those people are unclean. Rabbi, don't go over there. Teacher, those, those people are wretches. They, the suffering they have, they brought on themselves. You need not concern yourself with them, Jesus. But Jesus ignored all of them, which I love. And Jesus called out to them in return. He heard their cry, and he was moved for com- by compassion. Notice how they did not ask for healing. They just asked for mercy. For them, that probably just seemed like a scrap of bread or some companionship or some sort of help, but they got so much more than they asked for. We are reliant on this kind of mercy every day. We, like those lepers, we need to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us, and and God will again and again show himself to be more merciful and more compassionate and more kind than we could ever imagine. He did not have to stop, church. Jesus did not have to stop, but he did. 
He was moved by compassion. These men had done nothing to deserve this miracle. So that's our first point. It was an act of grace. Our second point, this miracle required faith. Um, a couple of years ago, I say a couple of years ago, about 12 years ago, um, I broke my collarbone. Um, and I did it in a very impressive manner. I fell out of a tree. Um, oh, not as many people laughed at me in this service. That's good. This is the kind service. Uh, <laughs> but I fell out of a tree. I broke my collarbone. I bruised some ribs. I'd done some damage to my rotator cuff. And for 12 weeks, I was in a sling. And uh, the job that I worked in at the time was very sort of manual lifting. There was a lot of hauling and lifting and building and all this kind of stuff. And I remember, like, when I came time that was getting signed off to go back into work, I remember saying to the doctor, you know, I just, I'm really worried. My shoulder feels really weak, and I'm really worried that it's not better yet. And he was like, look, we've x-rayed it. We've checked it out. We've done all of the tests on it that we need to do. It might not feel right, but you need to trust that it's right. You won't have confidence in it until you go out and you start lifting things again, and you see that your arm is not about to fall off. Um, so in the same way, in some small way, these people required faith in order to see their miracle um, occur. Notice the order in which things happened. It, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with the story or how many times you've read it, but I found myself, before I opened up this text, that I thought it was just a story of Jesus meeting these ten lepers, healing them, and sending them around their way. But that, if you look at the script, that's not actually what happens. What happens is Jesus meets these ten lepers, sends them on their way, and then in the process they get healed. So let, let me just say that again. It's not that Jesus heals them, then sends them. It's that Jesus sends them, and then through their faith in going, the Spirit of God is at work in their bodies to heal them. So it required faith on their part. It required obedience. Now, I don't know whether that faith came from them knowing who Jesus actually was, whether the Holy Spirit had maybe descended into their bodies and revealed something to them, or whether they were just so desperate that they were willing to give, every, give anything a try. But let me just really drill in here. What Jesus asked them to do was pretty ridiculous in a human sense. The, when he said, go and present yourselves to the priests, the only time you would do that if you were somebody who had been suffering from leprosy, is if that you knew that you were healed, if you knew you were cured. Priests could not cure leprosy. Priests could not treat leprosy. Priests could only test and see whether you had leprosy or not. So in effect, in a human sense, what Jesus was saying is, hey, you 10 over there that have leprosy and skin conditions, go to the priests and get checked for leprosy and skin conditions. I don't know about you, but if that was me and... I thought this man was a healer, and he said, go present yourself to the priest. And I'm like, um, I think there's a part of the equation that has been forgotten here, but isn't that often the way that God works? First, we step out. First, we are obedient. First, we move by faith. And then the promise of God comes good in our lives, church. So we have a part to play. Yes, miracles are by grace, but they are achieved through faith because we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe in the goodness of God. We believe that his word will not return void, and we believe that his promises still stand. Amen? And then we see the work of God in our lives. Amen. We need that same posture of faith. We don't know. God is merciful. He may have healed them anyway, but we know that in this particular instance, it was because they moved that they got healed. And we need that same posture of faith. 
We need to seek God for His will. We need to familiarize ourselves, just make our home in the Scriptures and understand His nature and His character and everything that He is. And then when we know that the thing that we're waiting on, the thing that we're praying for, is consistent with God's promises, and we know that it is something we can count on, we need to believe. We need to believe with all of the faith that we can muster. We need to believe with all of the faith that the Holy Spirit can give us. And we need to hold on to that faith no matter what. Because often it is the stepping out and the going that seals our miracle. Amen? And it is in our going that we get healed. It is our going that we get saved. It is in our going that we get delivered. So we test it. We weigh it up. We don't do it lightly. But when we go, we go and we move and we believe that God is going to come through. Amen? We step out in faith. Let me prove it to you in the Scripture. In James chapter 2, he refers to Abraham. In the book of James chapter 2, he refers to Abraham. And he says that Abraham was considered righteous because his faith and his actions were working together. It wasn't just Abraham was considered righteous because he had faith. It wasn't just Abraham was considered righteous because he took action. But it was because his faith and his actions were working together. And that scenario that James is talking about, this is the brother of Jesus, by the way, this scenario that he's talking about is the time when Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. So at a time that would have come at the utmost cost to Abraham, he allowed his faith and his actions to work together and therefore was considered righteous by God. In verse 26, James says it plainly, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without action is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without action is dead. This miracle required faith. And whatever it is we're believing for, whatever thing we are waiting on God for, if it's something that He's told us, even if it doesn't make sense, even if the world is telling us it's never going to happen, if it's consistent with who He is, then our miracle too will require our faith and require us stepping out, church. So first one, miracles come by grace. Second one, this miracle required faith. And then this third point I would just like to make is that the miracle was part of a much bigger story. Um, the American pastor Stephen Cole uh, tells what he calls like a modern day parable. He said he didn't come up with it. He doesn't know where it came from, but it's a story he's heard. So I want to tell you as well, I didn't come up with it. I don't know where it came from, but it's a story I heard. And it's about a man that got lost in the forest. And he got lost in the forest and it was starting to get darker, darker and darker. He could not find his way out. He had been walking around for hours. He had tried to retrace his steps. He tried to find every way he could possibly get out. And he could not do it. Finally, desperately, he gets down onto his knees and he prays. And he says, God, please help me get out of this forest. Later on, he was telling a friend about this uh, story. And his friend said, and did God answer your prayer? And he said, I don't know, because before he had a chance, a tour guide came along and led me out. And <laughs> we, can, we can sometimes miss the bigger story that are, that's at play here. You know, we, God can come through in a way that we don't expect. God can come through in a way that we don't understand. God can come through in a way that we did not ask for, and we like to be in control of the things that we ask God for. Amen? We can go, no, God, not like that. God, I need you to do this for me, but not like that. Um, I'm just preaching to myself here. Um, 
I'm sure I'm not preaching to anybody here in this room. But, you know, we need to be understanding that we are part of a much bigger story. So it is with these 10 lepers, because these 10 lepers were healed in their body, but we know that that's not where the story ends, amen? That's not where the story ends. Of the 10 that got healed, nine continued along their way, and who could blame them? You know, the thing that they had always dreamed of, the thing that they had been waiting for, the thing that they'd probably been given up hope on, they now finally had. They could readjust to normal life. They could reacclimatize to their community. They could probably get work. They probably had hopes again of a family. They had health when they never saw that, never thought that they would see health again. So nine went along their way, but one came back. One man came back. Why did he come back, do you think? It doesn't tell us why he came back. It just, tell us, it just tells us what he did. He cried out and worshipped and glorified God and gave thanks. He had such an overflow of thankfulness and gratitude in his heart that he could not help but return. I think he may not have known fully who Jesus was, but he knew that Jesus was somebody special. He knew that this Jesus was not like anybody else that he'd ever met. He knew that what he had just been a part of was something different than he could ever have hoped for, was something that he didn't truly understand, but he knew it was something miraculous. He knew he would never be the same again. And though, then, therefore, he came back and he gave God praise. It's interesting when you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus says a lot of things about why he's here, why he was here on earth. And then there's a lot of things that he doesn't say about why he's here on earth. He does them, but he didn't talk about them that much. So Jesus doesn't say, you know, I have come to this earth to literally heal the sick and resurrect the dead. What he does say is, I have come to this earth to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus doesn't say, I came so that they might be healed in their bodies. No, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life in abundance. Even Jesus knows, Jesus more, I say even Jesus, Jesus knows more than anyone that he is part and his work here is part of a much bigger story. What am I trying to say? Even thinking of last week when Jason spoke about the resurrection of Lazarus, one of the most miraculous miracles in the Gospels. Even Jesus, it comes out of his, his, he even says it, it comes out of his mouth. He says, Lord, I know you always hear me, but the reason I said that was so that the people that are gathered here would know that you hear me and that you sent me and the things that we're doing are part of your will. So for Jesus, the miracles were not the point. The miracles were the witness. Amen? The miracles were not the point. The miracles were the witness. Notice how Jesus gets frustrated with the nine that did not come back because they had missed the point. The point was not the healing of their body. The point was the healing of their soul. The point was the healing of their spirits. And this, this one man that came back, he, like the rest of them, stood up and went along his way and received his bodily healing. But by the time he had the revelation that he needed to give God thanks, that he needed to give Jesus thanks, that he needed to worship, that he needed to glorify God, he came and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he gave God thanks and he gave him praise and he lifted him on high. When he went first away, he was healed in his body. But by the time he was going away the second time, he was healed in his soul. Amen. He was healed in a way that would not perish when his body did. He was healed in a way that would last 
last until eternity and beyond because this man, Jesus said one thing to him as he sent him on his way for the final time. He said, your faith not has healed you, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And that root word that is translated into the English word save is the same word that's used time and time again throughout the word to refer to salvation. So what we are seeing here, friends, is a salvation story. The bigger story is that the miracles that Jesus does are from a place of mercy, grace, compassion, kindness. Yes, because the love of God will always express itself towards his children. But when he was here on earth, the miracles, when now that he's seated on the, on the right hand of God and we have the Holy Spirit here living with us, the miracles are still about glorifying God, saving the lost, and to draw all people into relationship with God. Amen? Glorifying God, saving the lost, drawing all people into relationship with him. So many other stories too, and we're, we're almost done. So many other stories too. Think about the story of the healing of the paralyzed man getting lowered down through the roof at Capernaum. Yes, Jesus healed his body, but first he forgave his sins. Think about the woman with the issue of bleeding that reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment in the crowd. Again, the same response to him, to her, as he had to this man that returned. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Think about the woman at the well who had this encounter with Jesus and, and came running away and said, you know, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. There is something different about this man. There is something special about this man. I have not met anybody like this man. Think about the woman who was going to be stoned and, and Jesus said to her, where are your accusers now? And she said, they're gone. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Time and time again, the miracles were part of a bigger story, the redemption of humanity, the salvation for everybody. Jesus said, I have come that none shall perish. Let me give you two more examples. The jail cell at Philippi where Paul and Silas were worshiping God and a mighty earthquake came and the jail cell was shaken free and everybody, all the people of God that were locked up got freed. But you know, the miracle was not in the shaking of the jail cell when people got freed. And it wasn't just that alone. But what happened next is they then preached the gospel to the jailer. And they went to the jailer's house. And the jailer gave his life to Jesus. And the whole family gave his life to Jesus. I'm telling you, time and time again, the miracle is just the method for aligning people once more with the Father, for getting people into the kingdom of God, for the spreading of the gospel, for the good news, for the finished work of Christ to be made complete. One more story, the parting of the Red Sea. One of the most famous stories from Scripture, the parting of the Red Sea. This thing like that you can't even imagine it. It's like something out of a movie. Well, they've made several movies about it. You know, the sea literally got parted. But you know, church... It wasn't about parting the sea. It was not about parting the sea. It was about getting the people of God where they needed to be. It was about getting the people of God to the promised land. It was getting the people of God into the will of God. Time and time again, Jesus' miracles to glorify God, to save the lost, and to draw all people unto him. We are part of a bigger story. So I just want to finish by asking us some questions. What does this mean for us? The miracle was an act of grace. It required faith. It was 
part of a much bigger story. I think there is much that we can learn from it. I think the first thing that we can learn, just to summarize it, is that if our miracle comes by grace, then we must petition and appeal and ask, not demand, not decide. We speak to God and we say, please. We take on the same posture of these lepers. Jesus, Master, Savior, have mercy on me. We were never promised a comfortable or easy life, and yet we know God is compassionate, He is merciful, He is kind, and we need to develop an ability to hold these two things in tension. They're both true. We cannot demand the things that we want from God, but like these 10 men that were healed, we can call on His name and ask for mercy. Even more so, we know that He is our Father God, and He delights in giving good things to His children. So while we cannot command or demand things from God, we can certainly ask with confidence. Amen? Because it's all grace. The second thing is, if our miracle requires faith, then we hold on to God's promises no matter what. We hold on to His promises no matter what. We have a role to play. Faith without deeds is dead, remember? So we move. We pray to God. We petition Him for the things that we need, like we said in that first application. But then we move. We move in faith. And we believe that the things that we are contending for will come to pass. We spend time with God. We place the Scriptures deep in our heart. We align our heart with His. And over time, the Holy Spirit will help us to discern God's will for our life. And if God says that what you're believing for will come to pass, we hold on to that promise with everything we have. Even if the world thinks we've gone crazy, we hold on to that promise because God's Word still stands. Amen? Because His promises will not return void. His faithfulness is good. New every morning. That's what the Scripture says. Third application. We are part of a much bigger story, so we must remember that the greatest miracle we could ever imagine, church, it's already taken place. The greatest miracle we could ever imagine has already taken place. Because the truth is, like these ten lepers, we were once sick in our hearts. We were once cast out and separate from relationship with God. We were lost without hope or purpose and any ability or mechanism to get back what we had lost. The thing that we needed most of all. So we need to give honor and glory and worship to the finished work of the cross. Amen. Because of the work of Christ on the cross, our lives were changed forever. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He gave away that life on the cross for our sake. He took a punishment he did not deserve. He went even to the grave. And three days later, he rose again. And he saw that miracle accomplished. And because of his sacrifice, because of this miracle, then our relationship with God could be restored. It me, it's one of these things. We just need to understand that there is a spoiler alert for this whole series because it's a series on the miracles of Jesus. But let me tell you right now, there is no miracle that we are going to read about, no miracle that's ever going to happen that is going to surpass the work of the cross, that is going to surpass the miracle of the cross, that is going to surpass the miracle of our God and Savior clothing Himself in flesh, coming down to this earth, giving away that life, being buried in the grave, three days later rising again and defeating the power of sin and death on the cross. Amen? He is our God. This is our our God, church. This is the God that we serve. Friends, He did it for us. And we're coming into land now. Worship team, please, please come back. He did it for us. We need to remember that. He did it for us. And 
it might seem cliche to say because you've probably heard it said in a number of situations like this before, but even if there was just one of us, even if it was just for you, he still would have come. Even if it was just for me, he still would have come. Dami, even if it was just for you, he still would have come. Kes, still for you, he still would have come. Phil, he still would have come. Anybody here in this place, even if you were the only one, he would have done it for you. And he did it for you. As we contend for our miracles and the things that we would see God do in our lives, let's remember that he's already done much more than we could ever ask for. He's done something far greater than anything we could ever imagine. And he's already poured out grace upon grace upon grace on us more than we could ever deserve. So like the one leper that came back to give God worship, to give God thanks, to give God praise, let us cultivate deep wells of thankfulness within us, deep wells of gratitude. Let our hearts never grow cold to the incredible thing that God did for us on the cross and the fact that it was by grace. In fact, the Scriptures say that by grace through faith we are saved. By grace through faith. So this miracle that was an act of grace when the lepers got healed, that it was achieved by faith when they were obedient and was part of a much bigger story that mirrors the very miracle that's been at work in all of our lives. There is no exclusion to this miracle. By grace, through faith, we are saved because of the mercy and the kindness of God. Let us confess like Edward Cole in the movie clip that we played when he talks about his friend. The last few months of his life were the best of mine. And he saved my life. And he knew he was doing it before I did. He saved my life. And he knew he was doing it before I did. Let us stand together, my friends. God is a God of all grace. A God of all compassion. A God that calls us to walk in faith. And a God that is telling a greater story than you and I could ever imagine. We're going to sing this song that talks about how God is such an awesome God. And then we're going to pray. But Lord, be glorified. Lord, be magnified. Please plant this word deep in our hearts. Reveal yourself to us afresh, God. Let our hearts never grow cold. Help us to be as thankful as we could possibly be because you are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing, my friends.